Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful Harry Stout. Harry, are you ready to do this? Yes, I am. Excellent. Let's let's do this. Harry is the author and founder of the Financial Verse organization. His newest book is Today's Life Insurance, a protection tool for your future, is available now. I'm excited to have you back on the show, Harry. If you would, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. George, I've uh, I've had, and it's, it's wonderful to be back with you, I've had a successful 30-year career in financial services, and I've been lucky enough to work around the world uh, in the insurance area and the investment area, so I, I've really seen a lot and done a lot, and what I wanted to do was share my knowledge with people and give back, and uh, about 18 months ago, I started writing personal finance books and first personal finance content. I write about, I'm on a pace to do about three books a year. Nice. And with the pandemic, with the pandemic, George, that may increase, um, but uh, I, I'm looking to do that. And and I'm in what I call the fulfilling stage of my life, where I'm looking to give back and contribute. So that's what I do. Uh, my wife and I live uh, in Vero Beach, Florida, so we've got a, a nice environment, nice community. But uh, my focus is on finding a way to share my knowledge and help people live better financial lives. Well, amen to that, Harry. I, I appreciate it and. I think it's always, always an incredible thing to be able to uh, to be able to to put pen to paper and put your thoughts down, and obviously with as much experience and knowledge and wisdom as you have, uh, to be writing as much as you are, it's 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 a pretty awesome thing. So, right now, something that's been on my mind a lot is this this idea of of resilience, and that's coming in the form of you know physical health and mental health, and certainly financial health. Um, and I know you've been thinking a lot about that too. So. Wanted to get into that idea of of why a, a personal safety net is really a necessary thing. George, when I look at it, the pandemic that we're all living through right now is a seminal event in our financial lives. We're all going to remember it, and I think we need to learn from it. And it gives us a chance to really hit the reset button, I think, when, when it comes to money and our financial habits. And um, the magnitude of this is just, it's, it's, it really is mind-boggling, if you will. You know, I think as you and I are talking today, uh, the unemployment report came out this morning, and I think we've lost 50 million jobs, 50 million jobs wow. since, the, since the start of the pandemic. And the Bloomberg folks, uh, their research folks are saying about a third of those jobs will go away forever. They're permanent losses. Mm. So... You know, when I look at this, to me, the most startling thing that has that has been discovered, if you will, is the fact that our government provided safety net is not as strong as it's as we really need it to be. And uh, you can see it every night on the nightly news. We've got cracks in unemployment insurance, health coverage, uh, basic food security, the, the line for food, people getting food is unbelievable in my mind, um, education uh, problems as well as retirement security. So when I look at all those things, what I've concluded is 
you can't rely on the government to provide all of our financial needs in tough times. They can't be the health insurer of last resort, the longevity insurer of last resort, the long-term care insurer of last resort. They just don't have the resources. Our government just doesn't have the resources to provide all of that. So for me, you know, going back to this resiliency uh, comment that you made, I think we need to become more financially self-reliant by building a personal financial safety net to protect ourselves and our families. And I think the time's right to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I certainly agree. Um, I mean, obviously, I think that I, I hate to have to qualify and make blanket statements, but if if you're physically suffering right now, that's that's a different thing. But if you are fortunate enough to to have a job um, and to be healthy, yeah, I mean, this is this is the time. I think that you're 100 percent right. You really need to be, you know, pulling back and and looking at what's most important and really what your priorities are, and having that financial safety net. I, I think it needs to be front and center. It's not just because I. It's not just because this is my work. So, to take 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 me through what you think the the necessary elements are to really put together a good personal financial safety net. Sure. And Georgia, to start with, I take a, a more of a holistic approach. So the, the, the items that I'm going to mention to you are not just all financial, not pure, purely financial. But um, so, so let's go through them. I think there are six elements, if you will, to a personal financial safety net. The first is basic money knowledge. The second is developing a money mindset and good money habits. The third is adopting reflective practices. And when I talk to you about that later, I think you'll find that interesting. The fourth is one that a lot of people don't understand, and that is to put insurance coverages in place to help eliminate and mitigate risks in their lives. The fifth is creating an emergency fund. Talked about a lot on your on your show, but I, I have a little bit of a different take on it. And then lastly, the, the sixth element is maintaining your ability to make a living throughout your life. And uh, I don't know if a lot of people focus on the employable person that they are. Yeah, well, I think that those sound pretty good. Let's uh, let's just take one, let's take them one by one, if you don't mind. So, basic money knowledge. Yeah, in, in reality, you can't deal with money issues in your life without having some basic knowledge of money, how it works, and how to effectively use it. And uh, you need to keep learning about as much as you can about money. I mean, your your program's a great example of that. And in our country today, and this is the, the, the part that's really shocking, we require more training and education to drive a car than we do to manage our personal financial situations. Hmm. Think about that for a second. Yeah. And and the last time I was on your program, I think I mentioned, I, I tell people spend two hours a week to make up for this knowledge, financial knowledge gap by spending time learning about money, financial matters, and so on. And I try to break that down to 17 minutes a day. And I believe that 17, that time investment is going to pay significant dividends for them because they've got a, a knowledge deficit that they need to make up. Isn't that it's wild, and that's that's a great way to to frame it that that we are required to do more training to 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 get a driver's license than we are to to learn about money. So, well, you know, when, you know, we, when we when we cut through it, I think only 19 states now require a personal finance course before someone graduates high school. Only 19 states. Think about that for a second. Right. Yeah. Well, it's amazing. <laughs> it truly is. It truly is amazing. So. All right. Um, and then this idea of money mindset and habits. Yeah. In brief, you need to develop a money mindset and habits, and you do that through work, investment, and focus. You know, a habit is something that you do second nature. 
So you need to learn to be financially responsible without thinking about it. And, and George, I'm not talking about avoiding the, the Starbucks visit or, um, or any of the minor things you'll hear a lot of people focus so much about. You just have to be much more aware of money and, um, and what you're, you can't spend more than you earn. There are basic things that you can put in place to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate that. And you're, you're right. I think everybody's sort of worn out by getting told that you got to cut out lattes or avocado toast or whatever it might be. Um, when in fact, it's just go a little bit deeper than that and really focus on forming good habits. Um, that it's a lot more than just the surface level stuff. So I appreciate that. Yep. Um, well, I fancy myself a reflective person. Uh, what what are you talking about when you talk about reflective practices? Well, it, it's a practical it's a practical thing for me. When I speak to people, and I know you have the same situation, and you tell them that they need a cash budget, you really have to put a budget in place. My experience: about fifty percent of the people jump off the nearest cliff. <laughs> Or, or they begin to write terribly, you know, terrible, terrible things about me on social media. So, so, so what I've tried to come up with, let's forget about a budget for a second. Let's not call it a budget. Let's call it a reflective practice. You, you really need to be aware of what you are and will be making and spending. And um, I, I've written about, I told people how I put a, a cash budget in place when I was in college and it changed my life. And, and, and I've taught others how to use it in an effective way. And it, for me, it reduces stress and anxiety. But fundamentally, you have to have something in place. And you call, I call it a budget. You may call it something else. You need to know you got more cash inflow than outflow and that you're putting money away for your future needs and emergencies because you're really going to need that for a number of reasons. Yeah. You are going to need that for for a number of reasons, for sure. And I'm with you. Budgeting is is is, is never a super fun exercise, and I think that uh, I know for me that it's just coming from from a place of of how I grew up, and and being on a budget yep. usually meant that we didn't have enough money coming in, and therefore it was very much a negative and a very stressful thing. And I think that that's probably true of so many people. So changing how you frame it and looking at it more from a standpoint of hey we're not we're not trying to restrict you here it really is a tool to to your point alleviate stress and anxiety and really empower you to to feel like you're in control of your financial situation and i mean these are the facts of the situation right your cash flow these are the facts it, it, that is correct. It's just the reality. I've, I look at it as common sense finance. I mean, you basically directionally need to know you're bringing in more money than you're spending and that you're putting away for, for your later years. You need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes, this is, <laughs> you need to do it, do it. <laughs> so appreciate that. All right, um, and then from one really, really exciting conversation for people to talk about in a budget to insurance. So let's talk a little bit about that. Well, insurance is a product that most people don't understand. Their eyes kind of glaze over mm -hmm. when you talk about insurance because they figure that the insurance company is charging far too much, far too high a premium, making far too much money, which in, in substance is not the case actually in our country today. I try to reframe insurance and say, look, what, what insurance effectively is, is a product that gives you future delivery of cash when you're going to need it most. 
you know, health, paying for your health bills, paying if you had a premature death, you need life insurance coverage. It delivers cash in the future to pay for the needs of your dependents, your family. If you have a truck accident, um, you know, again, a health situation, you become disabled, you have an accident of some sort. Fundamentally, what insurance does is provide cash on a guaranteed basis for future delivery. And even for, for so many people today, I said, think of it as a GoFundMe campaign where you're making regular donations, but it will have a guaranteed payout to you in the future if one of these events takes place. And I think what people need to maybe think, rethink is the fact that insurance coverage can allow them to eliminate or minimize a lot of the financial risks in their lives for a reasonable premium. And uh, it, it's, 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 it's a different way of looking at it, but that's what it does. It, insurance is there to minimize risk. Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate everything you just said, and I think that those are excellent ways to look at it and really to be thinking about insurance. When you say life insurance or disability insurance, these are, I guess, sort of abstract terms that people don't really like to think or talk about, but what it is, it's a future delivery of cash, to your point, 100%. That's, what, is, yep. that's what it is, and, and then the states regulate the companies to be able to make those payments and deliver on them from a solvency standpoint, and that's why those industries, across the board, the insurance industry is a very regulated industry for that reason. Yeah, and also thinking about it like from a GoFundMe standpoint, that's a... Uh, GoFundMe is, and I hadn't really thought about it, but that's kind of like a Xerox at, the, at this point or Kleenex. Uh, it's, I'm sure that there's lots of other organizations that do a similar thing, but. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's. And I'm not, and by the way, and, and I think, I, I think the social purpose behind GoFundMe is excellent, but when it comes mm -hmm. to your personal financial situation and your personal financial risks, I don't think you can rely on the goodness of others all the time because they may not have the money when you need it or they may not be there for you so you don't have that element of of a guaranteed payout if you will for the for your financial risk at that time so i think the the, the uh, sites such as gofundme do a fantastic social job for so many different things but when it comes to your personal financial risks i think you need to rely on yourself versus others i think that that's really well said right there and it's probably not a very popular thing to say, but it's it's an honest thing. And I remember years and years and years ago when I would actually read the newspaper and you'd read about some kind of a perhaps a public safety officer, a fireman, or, or a police officer who died in the line of duty and they were having to have a fundraiser to support their, their, their loved ones. Um, and I always, always thought that that was a, a beautiful thing that people were pulling together as a community, but a really, really sad thing because um, it was just never going to be enough. And certainly GoFundMe is that. It's, it's a beautiful thing to your point. But that to me signals that uh, potentially your financial world was not in order and there's going to be a greater need than whatever the GoFundMe campaign is. So, yes, you do need to make sure that you're putting yourself and your family in a position that, well, if they want to, then that's great. But they're not going to need to actually have a GoFundMe yep. campaign. Absolutely. Um, and just in the same vein, the, the next one, I believe, was emergency fund. Yeah, when you look at an emergency fund, we talk about um, we talk about that as six months of living expenses. We talk about it as maybe a year. You see various there are various thresholds that are put out there. But I, I look at an emergency fund a little differently, and I think what an emergency fund is for it really is there to protect you in life in case you have to come up with cash for for events that are only partially insured or that are uninsurable. I mean, you can't, 
if you will, if you had personal unemployment insurance and you lost your job and you can totally, you know, you could get an insurance policy that would pay you your income for the six to nine months it's going to take you to get a new job. That'd be fantastic. That that doesn't exist. So you have to have cash on hand to tide you over from A to B. So the, the way I look at the emergency fund, it's really a cushion in case life gives you those unexpected, uninsurable twists and turns. And, and you know, George, what they're like, you have a non-warranty related car repair, you have an accident of some sort, a hurricane comes through. And and in recent times, we have this thing called a pandemic. No no one really thought about that, right? Pandemic's a pandemic. So having an emergency fund really enables you to have the resources you need to get you through those unexpected, uninsurable events. And uh, I think moving forward, I think maybe people are going to, for instance, one change that people have to think about because of the pandemic is maybe they need to put a little bit of money aside for retraining because I have to have a little bit of cushion in case I've got to go back and take some courses to qualify for a new job or a new designation or something. So we're really going to have to think about this, I think, a little differently given the shock that the pandemic has uh, has given us. Yeah, yeah, I certainly appreciate that. and. That emergency fund, I think it, it that's 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 the key. I mean, you can never move towards financial prosperity if you don't have financial security, and that's such an important first step. So, I totally agree. I think that that's a nice segue, just talking about um, making sure that you are retooling and, and 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 getting the skills you need to to maintain that ability to make a living. So, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people don't think about. Being able to earn a living as part of your personal financial safety net, but actually it's critical. To me, it's probably the most important foundation building block, if you will, that that exists because your lifelong ability to earn a decent income, for most people, that's where you get your cash inflow. That's where your cash inflow comes. And without that, you can't do anything. So these decisions that we make about what college to attend, what trade education to get, uh, what ongoing skills training should I get, what work experience do I need, they really need to be tied practically to your ability to earn a living. Now, I'm a, I'm a practical person. If you look back at my – I went to college to get a job. I, I, I love history, but I couldn't have made any money with a history degree, unfortunately. Sure. So, I, so later in my life, I've, I've, I've studied history and I've spent more time there. I've filled in, if you will. But your ability to generate an income stays with you your entire life. Your skill set stays with you your entire life. That's the employable you. And without the ability to earn that sufficient income, in my view, you're, you're penalized your entire life. And we see so many people doing that. They go, they, they, they choose a field or an area of study that never pays enough income to pay the bills. So I think from your own standpoint, you may have to get a job that may not be your passion, but a job that can pay the bills and maybe you do the passion on the side. Yeah, well, I certainly appreciate that. And that's probably important medicine these days. Um, as people are considering their educational choices and and all of that, so that's a whole other podcast, probably. But I mean, oh, oh, there's no. Yeah, we can spend a lot of time <laughs> talking about that. But but it, unfortunately, it's 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 real, in the sense that if you're going to invest in an education, please make sure that that education can produce a decent income for you and your family. Yeah, appreciate that. Well, those are excellent. I think that those are those are six incredible incredible tips, uh, incredible thoughts. Do you want to put a bow on it for me? Absolutely. When you look at our our world today, I think it's pretty obvious that our government provided safety net 
is not robust enough to financially protect to protect ourselves and our families. And the way I see things, if you're going to be financially successful and secure, you need to spend time putting a personal financial safety net in place. It does take some time, some study, and some investment. And uh, But at the end of the day, I think, George, if you, if you do it, you do it well, you'll live less you'll have less financial stress less financial anxiety and you'll be able to be more present more mindful on a day-to-day basis it's it's just so important uh in terms of your your life and i think if people do it and they follow the six elements that i've lined out i think uh, outlined rather they can really improve the quality of their financial life i love it well there's six great tips right there but harry savage nation is ready for your difference making tip today what do you have for them Okay, my tip is this. You can use insurance products to reduce risks and protect your future. Spend some time understanding them. Most people don't, but I think if you do, you'll find that a lot of insurance products can really help you achieve your financial goals. Well, I think that is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Harry, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for coming back on the show. Where, oh, you're quite welcome. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where can they get a copy of the books? Yes, if they go to my website at financialverse.com, financialverse.com, you can learn more about me, or the, the weekly free Money Saver uh, newsletter that we send out to everyone, as well as access to where to purchase my books. Love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Harry your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to financialverse.com. Check out the great resources, get signed up for the weekly message, and get some of the books. I can attest to their quality. They are excellent. Thanks again, Harry. You're quite welcome, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right.